When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Now, Alyssa, we know that there's no such thing as a good billionaire. Right. No such thing. But is Mackenzie Scott the closest thing we have to one? I think she is absolutely the closest thing to a good billionaire we will ever see. Yeah. In addition to doing things like take a $55 million mansion and donate it to the fight against... Uh, homelessness in Los Angeles to provide people for low low cost housing. That was amazing. And giving money to art centers that facilitate the art of like marginalized communities. Yeah. She also, um, I love the way she does it where she just like organizations that have gotten money from her will be like, yeah, one day we just were like, yep, Mackenzie Scott's given us $50 million. Yes. She doesn't do the like, let's have a press conference with some lovely examples of the people who I'm helping so the rest of the world can pat me on the head and be like, what a good lady. Yeah, she's like Batman, kind of, except not with money. Well, Batman has money. But she's using her money to, like, give it away, not just, like, buy herself gizmos and get in fistfights. Right. (laughs) Also, I gotta say, I really appreciate the extent to which Mackenzie Scott is making her ex-husband, Jeff Bezos, look like a clown. Like a literal clown. A clown! Aaron, it is back to school season. How many times have we said it? We are giving Jeff Bezos the best advice he could ever get, which is clear the lists on Amazon clear for all the all teachers. The lists. Jesus Christ. It would be, you'd be a fucking hero. Mm-hmm. It would be a drop in the bucket. Clear the lists. It's like Tyler Perry did it in Atlanta. He cleared the layaways for everyone in Atlanta last Christmas or Christmas before. Just do it, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Be a good billionaire. But, you know, I kind of appreciate the role that he's playing in the world, which is not just a clown, but he's... Villain? A space (laughs) clown. He's a clown that went to space. And is now grounded. And is now grounded. He can't go to space anymore. Oh, anything said. Wah, wah. Anyway, um, we like what Mackenzie Scott is doing, and we're glad she's giving her money away because nobody should have that much money. This week, we're joined by Kara Clank and Kieran Deal to take on the following questions. Why can't Republicans shut up about abortion? What makes it so difficult to actually disconnect on vacation? And what kind of loser adult gets mad about the casting of a children's movie about a girl with a fishtail? All this and more right now. Okay, Alyssa, we got to get to the news. There's less news this week than some weeks, it feels like. I agree. It's kind of a good thing, right? Yes. Yes. We are not Lucy and on the chocolate conveyor. Lucy and Ethel just stuffing those truffles in our mouth. Yeah, that's normally how I feel about the news. This week, I feel like it's a manageable conveyor belt. Yeah, we have time to put them in the boxes. We have time to put them in the box, for sure. I also think it was too hot in most places to make news these last couple of weeks. 
too hot. Everyone's just, it's too much. It's too much. Everyone's like, we get it. It's all terrible. We'll pay attention again. But please, can we just watch The Real Housewives for a little while? Right. Well, it was over 100 degrees for several days in a row where I live. And I just stayed indoors, mostly like Luke Skywalker in the carcass of his tauntaun. It gets really depressing. Like it really, like when it was, we had like a big stretch of 195 plus weather. And all of a sudden you're like, am I ever going to be able to go out again? Like it's just unbearable. Yeah. It's, and when it's cold, the thing is when it's really cold, you can just put on more layers. You layer up. But you can't like, there's only so many clothing items you can take off before you're going to get arrested. No. And it actually gets worse. It's like you almost need some sort of clothing to shield you from whatever heat and humidity it is. So, you know, it's like, I just linen, just wear a lot of linen. (laughs) (laughs) Coastal grandma aesthetic is actually a practical lifestyle choice. But let's start on a good note. Okay. sound you just heard was from game two of the WNBA finals between the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun. Yes, Sun from Connecticut. I'm sure there's a story behind it, but (laughs) yes, both games one and two of the finals have sold out and set attendance records for the league in the city of Sin. Now, because of the way the WNBA plays out its best of five finals, Vegas is the higher seed team, so it gets the first two games at home. So the next two games will be in Connecticut. So let's see what Connecticut fans can do, if they can show up fans of the Las Vegas Aces. And I also want to add on the women's sports front, women's sports are attracting a lot of eyeballs this year. Yes. So I just learned that on September 17th, the San Diego Wave will face Angel City FC in front of the biggest National Women's Soccer League crowd ever, ever. That's amazing. Yep. They've already sold more than 32,000 tickets for the game. So um, that's exciting. Very exciting. And I got to drop in here that our producer, Caroline, is a season ticket holder for Angel City FC. She's a bad bitch. I had no idea. No idea. I didn't know that she was sneaking off after we record to just like be an Angel City FC super fan. (laughs) Caroline contains multitudes. Um, I do want to take this opportunity to dunk on Brett Favre. That guy. (laughs) Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. For many reasons. For many reasons. So we've got all of this like like good news and positive role models in women's sports for the most part. And meanwhile, this is like running alongside headlines about Brett Favre. Um, An investigative report by Mississippi Today found this week that former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant and ex-Green Bay Packer quarterback Brett Favre used welfare funds that were supposed to be for poor people to build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi. Now, why would Brett Favre do that? I don't know, Aaron, but it feels to me like there are a lot of fucking people in Mississippi who don't have clean water and the money could have gone other places. Yes. So the news organization that reported this, Mississippi Today, um, looked at text messages between the two of them. Okay, guys, if you're going to do welfare fraud, don't do it over text. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, that's that's another sign that like some of America's stupidest men are the ones doing these crimes. (laughs) And it is a shame. I mean, just imagine how many men slightly smarter than Phil Bryant and Brett Favre are getting away with much worse 
things. So the texts were filed by an attorney representing a person named Nancy New. And Nancy has already pleaded guilty to 13 felony counts of bribery, fraud, and racketeering for her role in the scheme. So to call back to I Love Lucy, Brett Favre, you got some splaining to do. Some splaining to do. Yeah. So he sucks. And then I also want to shout out the best nickname I've ever seen for a bad sports figure. And that is something that was shown to me on Twitter. So I cannot take credit for this. Groper Cleveland. Whoa. Groper Cleveland, new nickname for Deshaun Watson, credibly implicated in dozens of sexual assaults and suspended for 11 games for being a sex pest. His name is now Groper Cleveland. Just putting that Groper out Groper Cleveland. That's good. That works for me. Okay. Well, we did a little sports minute, sports five minutes. We should do that more often. I love sports minutes. I know. It's fun. It makes me feel like- We contain multitudes. Yeah, exactly. We can have multiple interests at once. So let's pivot to the 2022 elections. Mm-hmm. So the GOP has had a few weeks of bad news, you know, bad polling, unexpectedly bad special election results, uh, including up there in, in New York, close to you, Alyssa. Mm-hmm. So, you know, under normal circumstances, if a party was experiencing, you know, their messaging was bringing them to this point, the message would be abort, abort, abort. But for the GOP, abortion is what got them into this mess. So they shouldn't be talking about abortion (laughs) right now. Um, Unfortunately for some in the party, that doesn't seem possible. Exhibit A, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Alyssa, what's our favorite Southern bachelor been up to? Well, Aaron, it seems that he couldn't let well enough alone and has decided I mean, talk about read the room. Where has he been for the past couple of months? He introduced legislation to institute a federal abortion ban at 15 weeks of pregnancy, which is something Mitch McConnell said they, and here's the thing. It's not like Mitch McConnell was lying to us and was like, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. They don't want to do that. It's terrible for them. Why would they do this? But Lindsey Graham, the single white man, no uterus, no kids, was like, let me get involved here. And he did. And fucking stupid. (laughs) Yeah, truly the Leah Michelle of reading the room, Lindsey Graham. Um, So the thing is, it is an abortion ban. And I think that the way that Republicans are trying to position any sort of limitations on abortion is disingenuous and we shouldn't go with it. A 15-week abortion ban is an abortion ban. Right. Um, With narrow exceptions, it would apply nationwide, doesn't matter what state you live in. Right. This is contrary to things that Graham himself said right after Dobbs came down on June 24th. Graham himself said that this should be left up to the states. Now he's saying, just kidding, we're going to institute a 15-week abortion ban. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, 15 weeks is a lot more reasonable than what is currently happening in my state. Eh. Like, let's say you live in Texas. The thing is, this 15-week ban does not lift the ceiling of places with more restrictive bans. It only imposes a ceiling on places with more permissive laws designed to protect abortion access. So this is just really, it's like stupid policy. It's bad politics. And I don't know what Lindsey Graham was thinking. You know, the thing I thought was really funny about this was on Tuesday, at the end of the day, there was something in Politico that was like, GOP leaders aren't sure what Lindsey Graham is doing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, what do you think he's doing? What is, what, like, if we were to sit Mr. Graham down. Yes. And say like, Lindsey, walk us through what you think you're doing. What do you think he would say? 
I don't know. It, it, it truly is perplexing because the whole GOP response to Dobbs was like, stop crying, liberals. We're just sending it back to the states. That's where it should be decided. And so what's he doing? I mean, it, it literally, I don't know what he could tell us that would make sense other than I was lonely because no one talks to me anymore. So I decided <laughs> to introduce legislation on the Senate floor. Like, had he not made Mitch McConnell mad enough? Had he not, like nothing he is doing makes sense on this. He, I don't think he could tell us anything that would make us be like, okay, like we don't agree with you, but we see where you're coming from. Like there's just, there's just nothing. I think he was lonely. You think he was, <laughs> what if he's just like mad at Mitch McConnell and this is just his version of, you know, cutting off his nose to spite his face. He doesn't want Mitch to be in charge anymore. He doesn't want Mitch to get... Who does he want to be in charge? I mean, like, the thing is, it'd be one thing if if somehow, for some reason, McConnell were some, you know, like, outlier. But he's not. Like, everyone was just like, the fuck is Lindsay doing? Yeah, it's so, so strange. And I don't know, like... You know, the comparison was made after Dobbs came down that now Republicans are the dog that caught the car. Right. You know, that right after it came down, most of them kind of laid low and they were like, all right, cool. Oh, here we go. Well, got what we wanted. We don't need to say anything else. There's no need to say anything else. Yeah. But then we had people like Mike Pence who catch the car and they're like, keep going. I want to keep chasing. Like, they can't resist continuing to bring this up, even though this has... Dem- it's demonstrably harmful for them politically. They are going to end up like that Mitt Romney dog. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's find out season. It's find out season. It's find out season. I wanted to pivot to something that was written in the New York Times this weekend by a pollster named Tom Bonnier, who we have um, we've cited his work before. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote something in the New York Times this weekend that is titled Women Are So Fired Up to Vote, I've Never Seen Anything Like It. Mm-hmm. And this is from a pollster. And this is in the New York Times, which like has in the past done clickbait, but this is like not. Right. They're not a clickbait factory. So yeah, what do you make of women being fired up? What signs are you seeing of that? So women are registering to vote more. They are voting more, as we have seen in. And like, I think that you and I, like these articles are interesting, but it's like so almost nerve wracking to talk about them because you don't want people to think going into a midterm, like it's all fine. The women are going to vote. We're going to be saved. And it's like, let us not forget the white suburban women of Virginia. Mm -hmm. But women are engaged. For years, we have thought this might happen. Everybody said it wouldn't happen. And it did happen. And so I think that in your version of, you know, find out season, Women are like, okay, we found out. Like, we found Mm -hmm. out they will do it. They are as extreme as we've been told that they are. And in general, the Republican Party is utterly willing to erode our rights as quickly as they can. And so in Kansas, which we talked about, it was not just how many women turned out. It was that in Kansas, they had almost presidential year level turnout, which is incredible. And you know, so they're saying people are fucking fired up. They're showing, they're going to the polls, they're registering to vote. So, you know, women are surging. They're surging. Women are the hottest new accessory for 2022. <laughs> that was so Stefan from SNL. <laughs> it's got everything. <laughs> Here's the thing, Alyssa. We have a very recent example 
of Republicans fucking around and finding out with female voters. 2018, mm -hmm. 2018 was an extremely find out season election for Republicans. Yep. And like it was a blue wave that was bigger in degree than anything that pundits predicted, unless there are people like you and me who were like paying attention to what we were hearing, what we were seeing and the way that women are talking to each other. I'm like, I'm not a pollster. And so I'm not going to pretend that I have like scientific insight here. No. But I can say that based on conversations, interactions I've had with women across the spectrum of, you know, socioeconomic status, people I grew up with who live back in rural Wisconsin, I've seen posts on social media from them that are to the effect of like, what the fuck? All the way to people who are like living in New York City and have yeah. law degrees and, you know, and people who are highly paid graduate school, you know, professionals. It seems like this, the thing that unites, you know, half of the population of this country is that we have a biology that Republicans believe they have the authority to regulate. Yep. And it doesn't really matter where you live now, we know that they're trying to do a federal ban. Lindsey Graham came out and just said the quiet part loud. Yep. Doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter who you are, how rich you are. All of this is going to impact you. And I don't understand why Republicans are like, why don't we try fucking around with women again? It doesn't end well for them. It doesn't. And especially because it's not even like they support expanding different kinds of health care. I mean, up where I spend most of my time up near Albany, you have to travel really far to find a hospital where you can have a baby, let alone, I mean, like, and people say, oh, New York, like it's, you know, this liberal blah, blah, blah. So the funny thing was driving around because our primaries were the end of August, signs everywhere that say, you know, vote Democrat if you believe in choice, vote Democrat. I mean, even places where you would think it was just so understood, it's not. People get it now that no place, it doesn't matter. There are some people who are in far better circumstances currently, but none of us are safe from what they're trying to do. Exactly. And this is what we've been saying, and we'll say it again, because it's true. A vote for a Republican, any Republican, anywhere on the ballot, a vote for a Republican is a vote against abortion access. Yes. A vote for a Republican is a vote for abortion bans. Yep. Lindsey Graham's telling us. He's telling us. He's telling us, like, let's listen to them. And, you know, it doesn't really matter how low your taxes are if you live in a country where you have no say over when and how you give birth. It doesn't matter. No. The thing about the Republican Party that is so terrifying is you actually have no idea what they believe. Like, no idea. It's all in service of winning elections. And so even if all of them, after Lindsey Graham uh, introduced this legislation, were like Homer Simpson backing into the bush, you know, like, whoa, boy, we weren't— If it could pass, they'd be fucking down. They just don't want to lose their election right now. It's not like they had a change of heart in the past three months, and they were like, you know what? Women should have rights. Mm -hmm. People in America should be able to decide what happens to their bodies and when or if they give birth. And so, you know, it's like, that's why it's all on the ballot all the time, every time in every state. Exactly. And I also want to say um, to your point, I don't think that Lindsey Graham really believes in, in anything. I total A hundred percent. And one way that we can tell that he specifically doesn't believe in his proposal on abortion is how wooden and like totally it's like he didn't think through 
his position before he had a press conference on it. Right. He got a question from a female journalist who had gone through a traumatic experience where a birth defect rendered her child, like her child couldn't survive. Right. And when she brought it up, his response was like, well, the rest of the world has made a decision. Like, what? Shut up. (laughs) Did you only practice one possible, like, pushback on this law. Like Lindsey Graham and Republicans are going to say that this ban brings us in line with Europe, but we are not in line with Europe. Bullshit. In almost everything else. We are not in line with Europe when it comes to paid parental leave. Mm -hmm. They've got it. We don't. Mm. People like Lindsey Graham have made sure that we don't. We're not in line with Europe when it comes to universal health care. Nope. They've got it. We don't. People like Lindsey Graham have made sure that We don't. Also, Joe Lieberman, speaking of Connecticut, call back. (laughs) They've also got low-cost or government-sponsored, high-quality preschool that is taught by childcare providers who are highly trained and fairly compensated. Yeah. We don't have that either, thanks to people like Lindsey Graham. So you want to talk about getting in line with Europe? Give us Europe. I would love to get in line with Europe. Let's do that other shit first, though. Yeah. Also, everything they say when they try to make the comparisons to Europe is such bullshit, and it's so disingenuous, because Europe, when it comes to abortion, some of the sort of, they may say that abortion shouldn't happen after 14 weeks, except one, it's so much more accessible in Europe than it is here. Hospitals have not turned their backs on abortions because they don't want to be stigmatized. The laws are written such that, yes, abortion should not happen after 14 weeks, except, I think Germany is a great example, except if the life or mental health of the mother or fetus is in jeopardy from the point of view of the pregnant person. Of the pregnant person. It preserves choice and human dignity while putting on some, it's sort of like, It's like bumper cars. Yes, that's such a good analogy. But it's not like, they're not hard and fast rules like they're proposing here. And they're certainly not rules that enable people to turn in their neighbors for $10,000 bounties for violating them. Such fucking wild shit. If anybody comes to you, if anybody comes to me with some bullshit about getting in line with Europe, I'm going to be like, do all that other shit first. Also, you don't know what you're talking about. And you're relying on general ignorance of the rest of the population to get away with that bullshit. It is, Mm -hmm. we're not in any way getting in line with Europe with a blanket 15-week ban with only exceptions for rape incest and serious health jeopardy for the mother as determined by some like TBD government entity or medical authority. This is nowhere near what they have in Europe. Don't let anybody tell you that it is. But yeah, keep talking about abortion, Lindsay. Please. Love, love having these conversations, these imaginary conversations with you. Look, at least it wasn't like Marsha Blackburn. Oh God. I'm sorry. I put that out into the universe. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. That's, I think I pretty much said what I need to say. Do you have any toasts or roasts this week, Alyssa? I think we have some toasts, right? It was kind of a nice week. Okay. So we saw 
Emmys, largely very boring, but some great winners. And one sort of holistic toast, I think, would be to all of Abbott Elementary, which we have talked about before. Quinta Brunson and Cheryl Lee Ralph both won. But I think the thing that we are most excited about is that the cast and staff of Abbott Elementary decided to use their funds for their Emmy consideration, their marketing money, to fund schools. Aaron, they gave that money to help underfunded teachers. And guess wow. what? They still won. Oh, man. You know what? That's just fucking heart. Like, that's those are the kind of people that you want winning. It's like the opposite of what Emily in Paris did when they just, like, <laughs> flew a bunch of critics out. Um, and if you're a person that doesn't live, like, in a, in a coastal city or an entertainment center, FYC is no joke. For your consideration, campaigns are no joke. There are billboards mm-hmm. everywhere on major thoroughfares. There are, like, if you're somebody who ha- is in a position to vote for these things, you get these, like, gift baskets. Yeah. Um, you get weird. I-, I know that, like, this isn't this isn't TV, but A24 gave out, like, promotional bongs when, like, Spring Breakers came out. This was, like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Oh, my God. When, when Z-Way's show came out, it was, like, sunglasses and champagne. And, I mean, it was it was a fancy box. Right. It's a huge thing. FYC funds are a huge thing. And it's a good way to kind of like cut through the noise of a lot of entertainment. And the fact that Abbott Elementary was like, you know what, we definitely could use this to get us an award, but instead we're going to help teachers. I think that's really awesome. And if I worked for any other show, I'd be like, God, I feel like an asshole now. Totally. A hundred percent. I'd be so embarrassed. Anyway, well, a toast to everyone behind Abbott Elementary. It's a great show. Can't wait to watch uh, season two. And uh, that's all the news for today. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, personal political. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) Five stars. No comment. 100% great. That's the type. That's my favorite sport. The new, the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging, which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are, because you know, like not everybody's the same, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like, I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I, size up a little bit, but then it's it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring and I don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. 
won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Hysteria is brought to you by ZocDoc. Do you love to treat yourself? Maybe I you do. buy fancy coffee. I know everybody does, yeah, right? Yeah, come on. It's called a dopamine infusion. We do what we can it. when we can. Exactly. Sometimes you just need a little special little treat to boost you to get through the day. If you treat yourself to the top options other places, why settle when finding a doctor? It's your health after all. Enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top-tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. So don't settle. Go for the best and find the right doctor for you. Erin, let me tell you, I'm so lucky ZocDoc heard that my dermatologist was not taking my insurance anymore. I found a new dermatologist in a half hour on ZocDoc. Takes my insurance not far away, got an appointment right away. That's something that would take, like, a good half day of sweaty phone work. Yeah. In a pre-ZocDoc era. You're just prostrating yourself to the poor receptionists that answer the call. And you're like, no. You're calling. You're on hold. You're giving them information. They're asking you. They're they're framing their questions in ways that you don't quite understand because that's not how it's written on your insurance card. Totally. My group number? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, bin number? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash hysteria and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash hysteria. ZocDoc.com slash hysteria. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast where every single person involved in it always feels as though they have homework, even though they don't. <laughs> Alyssa, you just took a week off. You took a yep. you took some time off. Tell me how that went for you mentally. It was stupid, Aaron. It was stupid. <laughs> It was stupid, and I have a bad attitude because it was so stupid. I'm like, I'm other, I'm the opposite of refreshed right now. Oh, no. Well, I mean, is it because you felt as though you had things to do 
during the time that you really shouldn't have been doing yeah, work. Yeah. Ultimately, when I said to you, dude, I need a week off, it was because my list of shit was so long. I'm like, I need to hunker down and get things done. Oh, Before, no. Because I felt the weight of Labor Day. You know, you start getting those emails that are like, we'll regroup after Labor Day. We'll do this after Labor Day. And I was like, oh, my God, I have like five days to get myself straight. And, uh, you know, I got a lot done, but I wouldn't say that I like had leisurely dinners or like day drank or anything like that. You were like Ron Swanson on March 31st, which is a day that April Ludgate didn't think existed. And so she scheduled all his meetings for that day. Yes, that's exactly, (laughs) that is me in a nutshell. So yes, that was my, uh, can't complain, lucky, like lucky to have had the time, but, uh, relaxing it was not. Yeah. So this is, here's the thing. I'm sure your list of to-dos was way more interesting and exciting than than my to-dos, but Mm. I have, I, I've tried to take time off last week. We didn't record a show. Um, and I tried to take time where I was like, today I'm not doing anything for work. And it was so nerve wracking because the whole time Mm -hmm. I was like, should I be doing something? Should I be, but could I be like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to read like four articles that have something to do. You know, I'm just going to like go ahead and highlight this thing in this book. It's this feeling that if you don't use the time that you you will somehow regret how you used your day off in a few days when you have too much to do. And you're like, if I had just done that on my day off, I wouldn't have all this shit right now. Yeah. Yeah. Regret. Which is dumb. That's dumb. It's, it is, it feels very, I'm not going to say dumb because I think it's normal, but I think that it's, it's not healthy. And I want to get into that because it's not, I'm not pointing fingers. I know that I think you and I have this trade in common and I suspect these other two women that we have on the show today may also have something to say on this phenomenon. I'm going to bring in the rest of our panel first. When she's not touring around the U.S. or doing stand-up at your favorite L.A. haunt, she's fulfilling her dream of becoming an Instagram influencer. Follow her at shitfromkieran on Instagram. And please, honestly, you will not regret clicking on her link tree. Uh, It's a real treasure hunt. And uh, Kieran Deal, thank you for that. (laughs) <laughs> how are you guys it's good to see you it's been a minute it's good to see you too I feel like you're so close but yet so far I know because we're always through a screen I know you know except when it's every so often occasionally at a birthday <laughs> yes every so often occasionally at a birthday speaking of birthdays I'm going to bring in the fourth panelist this is somebody who I usually see at child birthday parties <laughs> her podcast that's messed up and SVU pod is going on tour all around the states so get your tickets to see more of her it's Kara Clank Kara welcome to hysteria Hello. Thank you for having me. It's actually my birthday on Tuesday. Virgo season, baby. <laughs> Happy birthday. What are Virgos? What are Virgos? Yeah, I mean, what do, what are they supposed to What like? it was our thing? Yeah. Well, I'm like a pretty, I, I don't even know how much I believe in astrology, but I'm a very classic Virgo, like type A, make a lot of lists, mm-hmm. loyal friend, mm. control freaky type of thing. Interesting. Okay. Well, then I'm going to start with you in this conversation. <laughs> um, when is the last time you truly took a vacation where you didn't work or feel bad about working? Um, I will say probably my a year and a half delayed honeymoon in 2016 where I went to Thailand with my husband. I would say because of, I think because it was the holidays, we went at Christmas time. I didn't feel like I had 
stuff coming in. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say I didn't check my email or respond to stuff, but like that probably feels like the last time I took a vacation that was, I felt pretty disconnected and unplugged. Mm -hmm. Was it also like the time difference? Do you think that maybe? Yeah, totally. And like, it was like my honeymoon and the holidays. And it was like, I feel like we did it at a good, we did it at a good time for people that work in the entertainment business. Cause you know, no, nothing's really doing mm -hmm. the in, in at the holidays. So when's the last time you tried to take some time off or you tried to like set aside some time to, to not work? And did you succeed at that? Yeah, I, well, I'm going to go ahead and say that anytime I am, uh, like off, but I'm with my children, I don't count that as a vacation. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are no vacations with kids for me. Like, yes, I can go to places that are fun with my kids, but I am working <laughs> as a mom. Mm -hmm. So I don't really feel like there's really at the ages that my kids are maybe later down the road when they're able to cannonball by themselves on the corner of the pool and I can have a pina colada or something that will be a good vacation, but that's, we're not there yet. So I will not, I can't say that I even remember. I don't really do that because I am crazy. Like I'm a Virgo-y control freak person. That's like, well, I'm not going to let someone else handle this. If I just have my phone on me and I can just do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's an illness. It's an illness. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that you're alone in that though, especially for people who, whose career is a creative one, because your job is sort of like yourself. Yourself is your yeah. job and your job is yourself. And anything could inspire you to write something or, you know, come up with a, a joke for your set or whatever. And so like, it seems like, especially given the work that you do, it would be really hard to just be like, I'm not going to work at all. Yeah. I mean, like when I got contact, like, I think the thing is, is that so much moves so quickly in our business that it's like you you know, like I'm sure Kieran, you know, too, like if you get an audition, sometimes it's like, oh, this is due in three hours. And it's like, what? Like everything is so fast. Like when I got contacted about the possibility of a job at RuPaul's Drag Race, I was in the hospital having just had my baby. And I was like, well, I got to send this resume in. And I was like in my hospital bed in a diaper sending in my resume. <laughs> so like, you know, you just don't want to like miss any opportunities. I guess is my, where I come from on it. Interesting. I think that's also the result of the, like being in something that's really freelance as we're in more mm. of a quote unquote gig economy. I think there's a feeling of like, yeah, there's the end coming out of the pandemic. It's a little bit more like, I think it's structurally more boundaryless than when I think about like some of my relatives in England or in Europe where there's a little bit more like you know, the phone goes off on Friday and then you have through Monday or like you're visiting it in town. We ha we're going to go on this hike and no one's going to contact me. I think some of these things are structural too around like maybe you're like specifically type A, but it's like if you get a bunch of appointments Friday at 5 p.m. and they're due Monday a.m., like I don't like what are your options in a business that are really that's that's very competitive, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there is it's almost like that like deeply Protestant American work ethic of like work till you die, work will set you free, which I think Gen Z is kind of getting very like um, resentful of, understandably, you know? Yeah, I think I think that's really interesting. Alyssa, I, I wonder what you make of what Kieran said about like the lack of boundaries. You were nodding. Oh, so I mean, 100%, because I was saying when we were talking about this a little earlier, that um, I am old enough that 
I remember when I got into the workforce. No, Kieran, Kieran's laughing at me. I'm serious. I, I love every time. I love every time you bring up that you're old. You'll be like, you'll be like back in 1897. Listen, <laughs> in the 1700s. No, but it matters because in technology, a few years makes a difference, right? So in college and my first years out in the workforce, we did not, not only did we not have email, there were no Blackberries or iPhones mm. or anything like that. And so when you left work, you you left work. And sometimes I think back on it and I'm like, I used to be so mad that I'd leave work at like seven o'clock or 7.30, but I was free until nine o'clock the next day. And so I think I underestimated back then. I mean, I, I mean, that's how it was for everybody. But the other thing I think is interesting is that because I went from spending 20 years of my life, I guess, uh, in an actual workforce, like in a structured, hierarchical place, I actually did get more free time than I do now. Because now I don't have anyone who does anything. I do everything myself for the most part. And so it's like, I can't say, I can't put on an out of office and be like, contact so-and-so. Like there was a period of time after the first couple of years in the White House where no one had had a vacation, everyone was getting really stressed out, that we just like structured it. We were like, okay, Danielle gets this week off and Jessica's going to stand in for Danielle. But then because Jessica was doing two jobs, then the next week Jessica gets a week off. And so it was actually, and and we had a real thing that was like, put your out of office on. You don't need to look at your emails. Like they'll automatically forward. And so I just think now it's like, on the one hand, you know, can I get a load of laundry done between Zooms? I can, and I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, there's no out-of-office reply anymore. Yeah, and I think this is a uniquely American problem. I know there are other countries that emphasize uh, work to the point that it's it's like hurtful to the to the actual workers. But you know, we're all coming at this from a from a perspective in the U.S. and we have a uniquely like fucked up relationship with work. Um, we have no federal paid vacation policy. So we talk about maternity leave not being guaranteed here, which is like, I think the most egregious way that we mistreat workers or one of the most egregious ways. But we also have no federal paid vacation policy. And uh, it's only one of a handful of countries that don't have any guaranteed annual leave that is paid. Canada and Japan also have countries with the least paid annual leave, but they each get 10 days. That's 10 days of guaranteed paid leave, but in each country, um, the longer you've worked at a place, the more vacation you accrue. So like 10 is the minimum number of days, paid vacation days that you have if you live in some of the more restrictive countries outside of the U.S. And I, I think that that really puts us in a position where we feel as though we can't take vacations because our vacations, even when we're working in like a more corporate environment, not something that isn't as freelancy, our vacations are like by the grace of our employer. And so you right. almost feel like you're asking for them to do something, even though that's part of your compensation package. Kara, you're nodding. Yeah, no, I just like when I lived in Italy, my Italian friends were always like, wait, how much vacation do you get in the U.S.? And I would say people usually take like a week or maybe two weeks of vacation a year. And they were like, what? Because like they're a classically a very vacation-y culture. <laughs> and like they were always like, I mean, my friend was like a police officer that took off like 
a month for what he would say he would call the fever. I mean, I think he just meant like he wasn't feeling great. And he was like, but he would like meet us out at bars every night. And we'd be like, did you go back to work today? And he'd be like, no, I still, the fever. And we were like, okay. Like maybe it was like lost in translation, but this dude did not go to work for like a month. And was like, it was all paid. And, you know, I just remember that was like the first time I remember thinking like, oh, well, the way we do, it's not the way it is everywhere. Like they're especially like August in Europe. It's a uh, time where a lot of Americans like to go there, but they are all on vacation. Like they're all gone. Like, you know, so it's like you would never plan uh, anything business related probably in Europe the whole month of August. Yeah. <laughs> like, See, that is something I think would benefit this country so well. If there were like in Japan, it's the same thing. There's just blocks of time where the country's on holiday. And that mm-hmm. would just make it so much more enjoyable because it's like, even though, like we were saying earlier, even though last week I took last week off or the week before, whatever it was, but like the worlds that I live in, everyone else had taken their vacation like two weeks before. So it was actually like so stupid because <laughs> I just had so many emails. <laughs> yeah I I agree with that I also noticed the first time I was like oh yeah it's really fucked up here um was when I was on a trip to Peru and I'm not one of those people like it was the first time I'd ever like gone on a big international vacation as an adult and I was like 31 or something like that so I went to Peru to hike uh the Inca Trail and everyone else in the hiking group was like from Ireland and on a six week trip through South America. And they were all like, we had like 10 days where we were like, okay, we're in Peru. We're doing this scheduled top to bottom and then flying out and going back to work the next day. And like everyone else was like, yeah, we think we're going to go to Bolivia after this. And, and I realized like, oh, these, these people have like the opportunity to experience other parts of the world um, in ways that we just don't as Americans. And I feel like that's another way that people in this country could benefit from having more generous vacation time. And I'm not just like suggesting everyone just, you know, fly to South America in order to enrich themselves, but go up to Montreal for like a, you know, a a long weekend and enjoy and enjoy it, you know, go to a different part of the country and experience a different way of life, you know? And, And I think that a lack of vacation time really gets us like entrenched in the, in the places we live in the communities where we already spend all of our time and less, it makes us kind of like ossified versions of ourselves where we're, we have a harder time connecting with other, with other people or understanding where other people are coming from. Yeah. Just breaking up the monotony of your weeks and months, you know, is like, I would say like, I just went on this vacation, vacation to Vermont. Like I told you guys about last time I was on the show, actually. And even though I had my kids with me the whole time and I was technically working for part of it at this place that I went to, it was so fun just to like be in a different place, like eat at different times, like just break up. And then I came back to like, kind of the same schedule as always and was like, this feels like fresh to me. It's like really good for your mental health. Like if anything, like even if you're not even traveling somewhere, you're just doing your day in a different way and it just breaks up the monotony of like life. <laughs> the the other thing about vacation, I know that like my entire, like in the summers when I was a kid, we used to go back to England. So like when you're like an immigrant and your family is somewhere else, like a lot of people are using that time when they go. It's not like this, like the whole idea, the whole concept to me of like the pure vacation to a place where I know no one 
truly insane. Like, <laughs> I, did, I, I did not, like, I truly, it's like you use your vacation time to go see family. You use it to go to the wedding that you have to go to. It's like the idea that it's such a, to me, it feels like such a culturally white idea that like you would go to Vermont if you don't know anybody there. I was like, what are you, a queen? <laughs> like, it's truly like I didn't do that until I did ayahuasca in Mexico. And that was like a week or 10 days. And it was like, I remember the feeling of like the luxury of it. I was like, God, this is such a privilege. Like it was the first time I think like just the gift of how many people globally get an opportunity to take out 10 days of their life to like go to somewhere else and like focus on their like spiritual and mental health. That's like such a, just you in a place where you know no one else. It's like, that's also like a, a financial uh, privilege, right? So that was something that really, really struck me where I was like, I don't think I've ever done this before this moment when it wasn't to visit family, go somewhere else. I'm curious if other folks have a similar experience of it because Europe is going to be very different than, let's say, South Asia in terms of, you know, Amenities. like labor laws and yeah, yeah just an end work hours and all of that stuff. Yeah, I, I went to um, I, you you know about this, Karen. We both spent time in this country. I went to Nepal when um, in 2017. You know, I was in my 30s. You know, I, I always thought of traveling as like a thing that I saw my friends and peers doing when they were like younger. Um, but it was like the first time I could afford to do something like that. And I was working at an employer that allowed me to take leave and like come back to my job and like keep my insurance while I was there. It was like the the best thing ever. I had this trip planned before I took the job. Anyway, um, when I was there, it felt like the trip saved me in a little bit. And I don't want to say it as like a you know, like how Stella got her groove back or like eat, pray, love sort of a thing. It just forced me to not be connected to the TikTok of news and the workday. Um, like Nepal is on like a really, it's on an off time zone. I think it's like an, like a certain number of hours and 45 minutes off. So I okay. never knew what time it was anywhere that any of my, you know, coworkers lived. Um, I was able to file a few stories from there. I um, was sleeping when everyone was awake and I was awake when everyone I knew was sleeping and I couldn't connect to the internet most of the time um, because I was literally like in the, on a Perna region, you know, like there was no internet. It was like a way, it was, it was an experience that forced me to disconnect. And I actually still have my out of office message from there and reading it is giving me flashbacks to just how unhealthy my relationship with work was at the time before I left. Um, so my out of office response during those weeks in 2017 were I'm currently in the Himalayas and have no mountain commensurate or and have mountain commensurate access to email and the internet. I will be back on May 17th. If this is related to the Daily Beast, tip slash hate mail, etc., please email me via my encrypted email. If it's an emergency, sorry, I'll have to find out about the emergency when I have Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious what your typical out of office are. Are they like, it, here's how to get in touch with me in case it's an emergency. Like, do you, do you give people contact info, Alyssa? I haven't done an out of office in a very long time, but the last time I did, it was so detailed. It was like, 
I will be out of the office. Literally, I didn't out of office for like 36 hours. I will be out of office. You know when I did it? When I got married. Whoa. I think that was the last time I did it. And we got married on a Friday. And so it was like Thursday afternoon. I was like, I will be out of office. For matters related to this, please contact Danielle Crutchfield. For matters related to this, please contact Brad. For matters related to this, please contact Katie. It was uh, it was very detailed. And people still, people would just get my out of office, forward the email back to me and be like, I'll just hit you back on Monday. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, no, have someone else do it. Don't stockpile. <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's uh that's intense. Yeah. But now sometimes I'll be like if I'm in the middle of something, I might put an out of office that's like, I'm on a plane. I mean, that would be a lie. I haven't been on the plane in like two years. <laughs> but if if that were the case, I'd you know, back then I'd be like, I'm on a plane right now. If I I, I may not have Wi-Fi, so I'll get you when I land. Have you guys heard about the camping trick? No. What's that? So, um, you know, in a typical typical American fashion, which is like work around the problem and don't fix it, um, a lot of people now are exchanging tips on how to disconnect from the office by saying that they should make their, you know, make your out-of-office email response, I'm on a camping trip and have no access to email, even if you're in like a city, because if you don't... Yeah. Oh, I'm into that. That also means that you can't post anything on social media. Well, that's, that's the other piece of that. You point. can't post any piece of your vacation. You can't post in store. You can't post anything. Also, like the out of office doesn't block the emails. They, you can still read them. Like it's up to you if you want to read them or not. Right. Like right. you can put the out of office on and then it's like, are you checking it or not? Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I never was like, oh, people are going to wonder where I am. But I also like Alyssa have not done a, an out of office in like probably 10 years. Did you know about the concept of like a gap year? Because so many of my cousins in England did this where they like basically they work like even they would work in like a factory for like six months or whatever. They save the money and then they spend the other six months just traveling. And that was just like a thing that a lot of people did, mm-hmm. you know, like that, like we don't have that mentality in this country in the same way I've noticed. Oh man, Is this like in between high school and college? Yeah. In between high school and yeah. college or sometimes, sometimes even in between a job, in between jobs, a couple, a married couple will do it. Yeah. My dad like always used to say that when I was a kid, he would be like, everyone should take a year off after high school and before they go to college. But that was never offered to me as an option. I went to college as, as a 17 year old. And, but he would always be like, yeah, I really think that would be important. Like just go and travel or work or do something. 17, 18 is too young to start college. Bye, Kara. Have a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think he was able to promote that in theory, but not in practice? I think maybe my mom. My mom was Mm. like so college crazy. Like we, I started touring colleges when I was 15. Like as a sophomore, I applied to like 12 or 13. She was just really crazy about me getting into the best college possible. And I ended up going to Tucker Carlson's alma mater. So it worked. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. You know, going to Dartmouth, right? Oh, no. I went to Trinity in Connecticut. Oh, okay. I was going to, he's got Dartmouth vibes. I was going to say, if you, (laughs) if you knew, if you knew Trinity, you would know how deep his Trinity vibes are. Like that bow tie is straight out of Trinity. Oh man. Well, at least you got a lot of practice dealing with assholes. Yeah. (laughs) Jesse Waters also went there. Oh, terrible. A double. Those are like young men who old people think are cool. (laughs) um yeah so kieran let's talk more about the the gap year did you take a gap year 
I didn't take a gap year, but I did like there, there are two things that came up when Kara said she went straight to college. Like <laughs> I, I took a massive, like, because I had family in England, they were like, let's go travel in between. Like, you know, I got to do a ton of traveling around college. I spent a year in Nepal. Like I was working on the documentary there. You know, I, I did a thing in like South Africa for like five or six months and it's, it's awesome. It's like, it's so, it's so dope. It's so enriching. Um, it's so good for your brain. It's so good to feel how other people live, you know, um, your ethos and your mentality culturally changes. The other thing about work is I feel like, I feel like, and I'm guilty of this as much as anyone else here is that it's like, there's this feeling that you'll get left behind or you'll miss out on something or whatever when you're not working. But when I think about some of the times I've been the most productive, it's been when I've set pretty strict work hours when I'm working, I'm working. When I'm not, I'm not. And I'm just really um, routine about it. And and I'm not in competition with anyone else. I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. I'm just like trying to do my own best work. And I'm doing it between like these these hours that I have and I'm showing up every day. And like I think oftentimes that's when I that's when I'm able to do the the most deep work, like the most meaningful work that isn't, um, that isn't the, like the posting, you know, not to minimize any of that. Cause we all have to be on the internet, but like, you know, more of like, there's like the busy work of having to do your laundry and like all of these pieces that are, you know, a little bit more, you know, the, like the top of your brain as opposed to, yeah, yeah. Concrete as opposed to like the deeper work of like whatever a deeper creative endeavor is. Right. And so it's like, we're kind of stuck doing all of these things now. We don't live in communities in the same way either. And I'm sure the childcare tip, like we've talked about it a little bit, must also play such a big role in that because it's like, if in any moment off you're responsible for your child, how is that a break? I mean, the thing about the thing that changed for me once I had um, my daughter was, so we're still, you know, under a year and parents have told me that once you hit a year, things like change a little bit and you have like a little bit more of a routine. But like when I'm responsible for her, I'm not like Kara said, like you can't like work and look after a child that's under one year old. Like, and I thought before she was, she came around and was like, oh yeah, you know what? I'll work when she naps and I'll hang out with her and she's awake. <laughs> but like they don't nap for regular amounts of time, like in anything that can be totally relied on. She usually naps at this time of the day for this amount of time, but sometimes she doesn't. So I can't plan to like get two hours of work done during that time because I might not get two hours. And when she's awake, it's like a combination of really stimulating work because your anxiety is like, you're, you're like amygdala mom brain is like, wow, 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 keep you from hurting yourself. But it's also like really not stimulating in the ways <laughs> that uh, intellectual work is stimulating. Like I'm watching her take a hammer, like a little wooden hammer and hit different objects and watching her do that for 15 minutes and making sure she doesn't hit herself on the head with it. It's like, <laughs> it's very, I don't know how to describe it. It's like so, it's 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 like repetitive and dull, but at the same time, you can't stop. Like you're, you're you can't stop paying attention because that's, it, it's just this very, um, and you feel like you're not, you're not um, productive 
while I'm watching her, I'm like, I'm not being productive. I should be writing. I could just get my computer and do some writing, but I actually can't do some writing. So that feeling of like having things to do kind of joins up in my head with the feeling of like anxiety that just comes with looking after a child. And it's like, it's, it's something that is not like sustainable for me for like hours and hours and hours. And I truly don't understand how, I mean, I've seen before she came along, I was like, oh, well I work from home. So I'm going to be able to like be with her most of the time. And it's like really taken Kara's laughing. It's really taken some like (laughs) practice and time to get to a point where I can do anything. Kara, what do you have to add? No, I mean, my kids are out of the house now from eight to four and I'm still like, it's not enough time. <laughs> I'm still like it, the, at like 345 when I have to go pick them up, like creeps up so quickly. There's just like, but I, yeah, I totally agree. There's just, that's, I have friends that say that they do that and I'm like, how, mm-hmm. how exactly are you, it, you know, you could build a baby jail. You can, maybe if your kid's <laughs> very good at playing alone, you could leave them in the baby jail. I don't know. People have different ways, but I, I also think it's like not even just the keeping the baby safe. It's like, yeah, you have to switch your mind to like a different channel, mm-hmm. you know? And I find it's very hard for me to do that like during the day with my kids awake at all. So, yeah, you know, sometimes I'll tell my husband, like, I have to go back and do some work in the bedroom. Like, you need to watch it. I can still hear them out there. And they're right. still like, where's mom? You know, <laughs> like, it's not a relaxing uh, zen time to get a lot of creative work done. But uh I got to do what I got to do. Right. But like when you're in the house, when you're in the house with them and you know, they're there and you hear them. And like, if I hear like a thump when Josh is watching her, I'll like get up and be like, what happened? Even though he's fine. He's perfectly capable taking care of her on his own. She loves him. He knows what he's doing. Like, it's just, I I still am like, ah, I have to like pay attention to this. I, I can't, it's, it's really like, it's a, it's another layer on the feeling that we're talking about where even when you're not working, you're still working. And I think with the added, like having a kid is a job, whether or not it is your your only full-time job and you're a stay-at-home parent, or if it's one of your many jobs, like we started talking about preschool for her and she's like not even a year old, but you have to get on waiting lists. Like 18 months in advance and you want to get in a good preschool because a good preschool means they get to go to a good elementary school and a good elementary school means they get to go to a good middle school. And it's like this whole, it's like running a business and like the CEO of the company poops their pants, you know? (laughs) And, uh, it just, it adds another layer onto things that, um, that we've been talking about, uh, the ability to unplug the ability to ever not be working I want to like round this conversation out by hearing what you have to say. Like, how could you personally be personally be better at making space to disconnect from work fully? It's so complicated for me, I feel like, because I am my work. Like, I don't work for a corporation. I work for like, you know, Kara Clank Incorporated. Like, I have to, you know, so it's like, uh, but I do like everyone, I'm sure, would like to be off, like try to get off of my phone more. I don't know that I could do one of these like lockdown apps or whatever, or like somebody recently told me about these like boxes you can get. They're like little safes that you can like put your phone (laughs) in and like set a timer so that you like can't get it. But I just, I don't know. Like to me, the phone is the key to all of this. The phone is the reason why we never unplug. And I, so I would like to get away from it a little bit, but 
I also am like, but I need to see what's going on or I won't be able to like talk about it mm-hmm. or like be able to get booked for this thing or whatever. I don't know. It's a, it is like a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. So I guess less phone use is what I'll say. Okay. Alyssa, how about you? I think that's correct. I think less phone use is important. And then I also think putting like real time into planning when a good time is to take a vacation and not set yourself up for failure. Like I kind of knew I was setting myself up for failure this summer and then just got mad at myself because I was right. I fucked up. Like it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so I also think that like when you work for yourself and the hustle that you have, it's like at some point I feel like I'm exploring three or four different things that could be my next thing. And Mm -hmm. at some point you just got to be like, you know what? Two's enough. Two's enough. And that's okay. And or for some period of time, you give yourself a break where you only focus on the things you have to focus on. And then you explore other things in a couple of months and see if by recharging, you still want to do them or maybe you have better ideas for it. But that's it. I do think I have I have really tried to limit. Twitter was a real problem for me for a while. I would just you start and then an hour later, you're like, where did my day go? And so I really I check Twitter in like two minute increments, two or three times a day. And that's it. I think that's that's yeah. wise. But saying no to more stuff is a great idea, yeah. too. I feel like I am impossible at that. I'm like, I can do it. I can fit it all in. Like, it's... And then you're just mad that. that you did. Yeah. yeah. Kieran, I've tried to be better about the reframe. Like, I, I like the reframe of, like, if, if I'm going to a wedding now, it's like, I'm going to use part of that time as my vacation. Uh-huh. You know, if I'm doing something for someone else or if I'm going up to like tour, like even for the Pacific Northwest tour, I added a weekend at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I stayed with a buddy and like I just spent a couple days just like enjoying the forest and it was dope. And it was atta- like so that, that you're just kind of like, even if you haven't shifted the entire like mentality, how can you – you know, oh, I did a show for this piece, but like, I'm going to spend this afternoon on the beach. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I found those pieces to be really helpful. And I noticed like, even when I was going to a friend's event or I'm going out for something, I looked at it as I was doing something for someone else. And I've tried to reframe those things as like, I'm going to do this. If I'm not having fun, I'm fucking off. I'm going to leave. Do you know what I mean? Treat this as part of your breaker vacation. Treat this as the thing that should be fun. Like you don't, have to do this, you get to do this kind of vibe, mm. you know? Um, and and trying to like, I don't know, like, because I can't change the entire structure of the way the American workforce is oriented. What? Why I not? Only really, it's, Seriously, I'm working on it. Didn't you go to yeah. Harvard? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what you well, people do? Solve problems? Honestly, Alyssa, if I had started back in 1897, I think you know I what? might have had a better chance. True. Um, it's true. You know, which is why I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all of these are really good points. I am going to close with like an anecdote and a solution to my feelings after the anecdote. Um, I was at a wedding recently and I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen in like years. And they had just, um, published a book, another book. They've, they've written a few books and, um, you know, just was talking to her and I was like, wow, congratulations on the new book, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, what are you working on right now? And I just was like, I found myself feeling ashamed when I told her I was doing a podcast, a newsletter, writing occasional articles for the daily beast and like working on some other stuff with crooked. And that was it. Like I, I, like in my mind, 
I was like, why am I, why do I feel bad? I feel lazy. She just put a book out. She's got this going on. She just did this. She just did this. I think the solution is like, I need to compare myself to the best that I can do within the range of things that are healthy for me, not what other people can do given circumstances that are invisible to me. You know, like I don't know what support she had Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much time she gave every day. I don't know how she structured her day. I don't know how any of that works. And I so I can't compare her output to my output. By the way, I'm happy for her, not jealous of her. I was more like, oh, I suck. I suck. I haven't written a book. I suck. No, I don't suck. I have just chosen to spend my time in ways that help me to get through every day, uh, survive every day. And that's like really all... I can ask for. And I think it's all really any of us can ask for. I think like the comparison game is, is so poisonous and I, I'm, I'm better served when I try not to do it. I really like eyes on your own paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I try to remember that. Like I really do. Cause especially in like, you know, a business like, like that we're all in, but like, you know, you just are constantly like, well, why, how did they get that? Why do I, you mm-hmm. know, I could have done that. I, I have more time in my day. I could be doing what they're doing. You know, yeah. like it's, you gotta just eyes on your own. No paper. one's living. No one's living. Eyes on your own. You. My mom used to say eyes on your own plate. <laughs> mm. Oh, eyes on your own plate. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, I like when you make it, <laughs> you make, you make it food related. It's That's food good. Related. Sounds delicious. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to do a hybrid sanity corner, I Feel Petty. And I just want to say before we take this break, a listener messaged me and suggested we rename the segment Sanny Petty, (laughs) which I'm super into and we're going to do. So stick around. We're coming back with some Sanny Petty. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Psst. Hey, it's me, your barista. So you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, now in stores. It's foaming delicious.
And welcome back. We have no housekeeping this week, so let's get right into I Feel Petty slash Sanity Corner, a.k.a. Sandy Petty, which Caroline hates, which I will persevere with despite <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, Alyssa, do you want to go first? What are, are you feeling petty or do you have a Sanity Corner this week? Okay, so Aaron, in the spirit of the new name, I am both, this is both sanity and petty because, and I'm so excited that Kara is on because she is a foremost Law & Order SVU expert. (laughs) And this week, John Oliver went on a bit of a diatribe against Law & Order and saying that it was like a huge, a huge part of copaganda and that it was like not good for the world. And like, One, it just hit me hard because I love the show. I realize I'm a middle-aged white lady, but like I love Mariska Hargitay and I think that they have done so much to make the show not that, that, you know, especially in like the last three years, I feel like Law & Order has really sort of gone head on and there are crooked cops and they root each other out. And the reason I think I feel such an emotional connection to the show and why I bristled so much at what he said is like half the ways I protect myself on the mean streets of New York City is shit I learned from Olivia Benson in one, or it's like some episode of Law and Order. (laughs) And I feel like that the whole point specifically of SVU, which is the franchise I think at this point that has lasted the longest, is like they have tried to change the laws for how like rape kits are processed. And I just, I feel like of all the shows in the universe that this one's kind of at least tried to do some good. And so I felt stressed by it. I took it like kind of personally and I don't know that I should have, but I wanted to know what Kara thought because she knows, she knows even better than I do. Okay. So I watched this twice and Mm -hmm. I definitely, I think that he, I don't think he was coming for SVU If this had just been about SVU, that would have been one thing because I would have thought he was very off. I think he's coming for the entire Dick Wolf universe, which we have to remember is is Law & Order regular, Criminal Intent, which is off the air. It's Chicago PD. It's Chicago Med. It's Chicago Fire. It's some new show called FBI. Oh, I forgot about all those. Okay, see, this is why I needed to talk to you. I think he's going after Dick Wolf specifically because Dick Wolf is publicly very pro cop. And so he's going after Dick Wolf. He definitely tried to, t- and I agree with you, Alyssa. I was feeling the same way. I was like, hey, that's my show. Come on now. Yeah. Like I was getting like a stomach ache from it. I was like, you leave them alone. And and then <laughs> I was like, I don't really think that he's diving deep enough into SVU specifically, which I, okay. I obviously know. My podcast co-host, Lisa, is furious that he did not talk to us for this segment. Um, but I, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I was like, I, I was like, exactly. He tried to touch on the fact like that Marisha Hargitay says victims come up to her all the time. So many people learn survival skills. I mean, literally just a few months ago, like a 12 year old girl was able to outsmart her attacker from stuff she watched on SVU. Yes, I remember like, that. She bit this guy and like yeah. was able to get away from this guy that was kidnapping her. I mean, you can't. But we talk on the podcast all the time about how it is copaganda and how like, but on SVU, every other cop on SVU is a full moron except for the ones that are in this squad. It's true. So like they're basically creating this fantasy squad of people with this high closure rate who go after rapists even when the victim doesn't want to press charges, like literally (laughs) go above and beyond in a way that of course is not real. But that is why I think the show is so comforting to so many women specifically that in this world, usually the bad guy gets it. And they also have done BLM episodes like multiple. Yes. 
you know, I was talking to a former writer friend who did say that like trying to get anything that was like anti-cop on there was a struggle with Dick. So I think it seems to me like John Oliver, he's got to come up with something every week. And he's going, he was going after like the Dick Wolf universe. Cause I thought when he compared it to Grey's Anatomy and stuff, I was like, yeah, but you don't think Grey's Anatomy is sending the message like always listen to your doctor. Right. Your doctor's out there for the best in you. Like doctors aren't racist. Like, of course, like Grey's Anatomy yes. is doing things that are wrong too. So he was trying to compare that, like that he was trying to say that he understands it's a fantasy, but that the show needs to do more. And I'm like, I don't think you're watching us view because they are doing quite a bit. That was okay. Thank you, know? you so much. I feel so much better because I agree. I don't watch any of those other shows, but I, for some reason, I just felt so SVU attacked. And you can find the right clips to like back up anything you're saying. Like, they right. felt like they found clips of Sam Waterston being like, people are against the cops. It's bad. And I'm like, I, you know, I, <laughs> that's not really. You're like, there's 25 seasons of this show. Yeah. The show has been around since the first arrival of a train. Yeah, yeah. like SVU. 1895 with Alyssa. That's why, I, Kieran, maybe you have just really nailed why why that got me so yeah. much. Because I'm <sighs> like, you just attack all the yeah. things that are old. Yeah, I thought he had points. <laughs> I thought he had good points. And I also thought, if you want a more nuanced view of this, please listen to my episode of my podcast that comes out in two weeks. Because that's how long our, that's how long our uh, freaking recording process goes. But um, yeah, I was with you though. Okay, thank you. But you really did raise points. I had not really thought about the all of the Dick Wolf shows, which I've never watched. Because he was showing clips of old Carrie, what's her name, who was married to Richard Gere. She, he was showing all old clips of like Law and Order regular and, you know, stuff like that. So you guys might love this. This might be helpful. Like I, I've told you, I think, Kara, that I worked on that show, that John Stamos episode, the one with the, mm-hmm. yeah. And so. Um, oh, the reproductive abuser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was very big on like getting extras that were minorities into that one like there was like an Indian chick who was like one of the abusers in there <laughs> and I was like I was like constantly I was like put an Indian in it put in it why <laughs> like why can't there be an Indian in it it's like they got them saying that refrain which was you know change starts small <laughs> <laughs> but one of the actors on that said one time to me he goes um they them go his first name's Dick and his last name's Wolf what else do you need to know <laughs> yeah, he could go by Richard, Rick Wolf, Richard Wolf, but he went by Dick. I was, I, I sometimes I think about that and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it makes me laugh. And I was like, oh, maybe they'll, they'll like it. One thing I, I did want to just add to that the thing about propaganda and like Dick Wolf shows. The thing that I think is kind of problematic is the way that like every time a, a suspect is like, I want a lawyer, the cops are like, oh. Definitely. Like, they're so mad. It's like the I want a lawyer moment is the moment that it's for sure that that person is a villain. Yeah. In reality, to insist, if you ever get arrested for anything, do not talk to the cops. You should not talk to the cops. Oh, we say that on our podcast constantly. We're like, do not talk to the cops. Do not let them in. Do not like, you know. Nope. But also, they were talking in the John Oliver thing about how they constantly rail against defense attorneys in Law & Order. And like, it's it's, true. But that's funny because... Like, if it's a defense attorney who is, there's like a guy named Buchanan. There's like a bunch of them that are like sleazy, rich people, defense attorneys. So those, I think, yes, of course, they're trying to get rich people off, you know? Then there's other defense attorneys like Annie Potts, who are like, or like Glenn Headley, that are like working for the yes. little guy. So they, it's more nuanced than like, 
the clip they showed of Olivia Benson going, ugh, it's the scum of the earth, a.k.a. a defense attorney. And it's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) My brother's a defense attorney. He works in a public defender's office. And one morning, my mom sent me a text. This was like months and months ago. She's like, you should check in on your brother today. He's really sad about uh, one of his clients. And I was like, what happened? Well, you know, got convicted of murder and is going to go away for a long time. And I was like, well, did they do it? And my mom was like, well, yes, but nevertheless. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Because a public defender is like, you know, a a defense attorney is supposed to provide the best possible representation for their client. That's their job. They don't really necessarily, they're doing a job. You know what I mean? And my uncle is a public defender in Florida. And he's like, I remember like being obsessed with asking him questions about it. And he was like, I was like, so did he do it? And he goes, oh, they always did it. I'm just trying to get them to not have like uh, the death penalty. And I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) I'm sure that he was joking and that's not a hundred, but like, he's like, most of the time they did it. (laughs) In conclusion, guys, let's write a strongly worded letter Uh to John Oliver from Hysteria. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, it's like, no, but see, the thing is, I see it in a different, much different light. Thanks to Kara. That's why I didn't rant or tweet on the internet about it. I Mm -hmm. saved my thoughts for an intelligent discussion. I'm so happy we could have that. Thank you so much. I'm sorry if this fully devolved into my podcast. <laughs> this is this is what respect looks like, CNN. Take note. Um, Kieran, are you feeling petty or do you have a sanity corner this week? I, that's a great, listen, that's a great question. Um, it's been really, really hot in Los Angeles. Like it was like a heat wave. I don't have air conditioning. What? what? How are you alive? Yeah, I don't have air conditioning. And um. And I think my sanity corner would be air conditioning or like weather that's chill or like, can we like do something about climate change? I don't know if that's like sane, but I'm like, bruh. <laughs> Honestly, climate change is going to save the movie industry um, because everybody is going to be like, OK, it's 106 degrees this afternoon. Where can I go that it's cool? And it, the answer is a movie theater. You can go into a movie theater and it is cool. Movie theaters are going to be reappropriated as just like icebox safe spaces. And if you have kids, it's just Target. Yep, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You could take your kids to Target for sure. Well, I'm glad that you survived. I can't believe that you made it. Just text me next time, Kieran. You can come over. We have air conditioning. Normally, like my place has like, because it's like an old, like by Paramount Studios. And so it's like a building from the 20s. So there's no internal air. There's no central air. Right. And it's like, but the way that the windows are structured is usually it gets good air. So if it's anything under 90 degrees, it's pretty chill. Fan is good, whatever. And I'm pretty good with the heat. This was truly unbearable. I was like, yeah. And it it just was. uh, Yeah. And now I'm like, ah, yeah. Temperate weather. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. What a gift. Remember, if you're like physically comfortable, it's just such a reminder. If you are physically comfortable, you're having a pretty good day. It's <laughs> a good point. That's a great point. I'll go next. So this week, a trailer for the new live action Disney's The Little Mermaid hit the internet. And it the way that it has been covered and discussed online is a real reminder of a few things. First of all, Disney adults are a menace and uh, fan entitlement is a scourge. And we should eliminate people's ability to downvote pieces of entertainment online because that has been abused. So here's the issue. The new Little Mermaid is being played by an actress named Hallie Bailey. Hallie Bailey is a black woman. And The Little Mermaid being Black is something that matters a lot to little 
black girls who have never seen a black little mermaid on screen before. It's really exciting. It's exciting to anybody who is, you know, interested in in a revamping of the old Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. Also mermaids, we know them to be real. We know them to be real and they are white. What? Uh, yeah. So here's here's the reason the thing that people are saying to defend themselves, because I pulled up a couple like blog posts from Disney adults that were like, look, I'm not racist, but I don't like the trailer because this a lot of the people were saying, like, here's the thing. It's not accurate because in the story of The Little Mermaid, accurate? Hans Christian Andersen, yeah, described The Little Mermaid as having blue eyes and skin like the petal of a rose and all of these things. And, and he was Danish. So, of course, he wrote it about a white little mermaid, whatever. All of these people are grasping at straws. Good God. Guys, guess what? In the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, if we're going for accuracy, the little mermaid has to die at the end because that's what happens in the fairy tale. The little mermaid dies. So if you're Disney adult mad at the lack of quote unquote accuracy in a live action Little Mermaid that has cast a black actress as Ariel the Little Mermaid, then you should also be mad that the Little Mermaid doesn't die in the cartoon. I saw somewhere on Twitter too, on on, on Instagram, that the original Little Mermaid is green. Like, ha- is a full green creature. So like, then we're not even... Huh. I mean, what kind of heavy metal poisoning turns your skin green? I know it's one of them. It's uh- not silver. <laughs> The one that the Tin Man used in in Wizard of Oz. My husband has a joke about these Disney adults people, like where it's like, you just basically glommed on to the first thing you thought was cool and you've never changed. And so like, yeah, I guess that would shatter your entire world if you've never found something else besides the Little Mermaid to be into your entire life. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be pretty shattering. But I saw the first visuals I saw of that, I was like, she looks so beautiful. Like, she looks like a mermaid. Like, yeah, it didn't even occur to me like that that would be I don't know. The visual effects look amazing. They look like they took a long time. And I think that the experience of watching that movie in a theater will be really cool for people who are interested in watching The Little Mermaid. I'm not a fan of the Disney live action reboots, period. But like, cool. Not everything is for me. This is for an audience that I think is really excited about this story, really excited about seeing this reinterpretation on the big screen. And like, I just, I cannot get behind adults angry at children's movies. And if you have a problem with it, head over to your Disney Plus app and pop on the original Little Mermaid and have a day. I mean, like, who cares? (laughs) No one's making you watch this. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So the green skin color comes from interpretations about whether just when her skin in the initial uh, Hans Christian Andersen is described as delicate and clear as a rose petal that you could, that she was clear, that she wasn't white. She was clear. Oh, so she's like translucent. Get it? Like veins. That's spooky. Like a, like a jellyfish. Like, I don't know if the color translates, but see, <gasps> in this photo I'm showing everyone, she is more gray green than she uh-huh. is, uh, you know. I love that evil picture of her. I've never seen her looking so evil, and that was very chic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that it is, uh, it's it's very silly to be an adult who's upset about this. It's also one of these things where I start to think when I hear about these controversies online, like, how many people are actually speaking out about this? A thousand percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
how many blogs are picking it up to be like, look at this controversy because it's like a fun little clicky story, you know? Sure. I thought the same thing because I used to work as part of the outrage machine where there'd be like three tweets by like accounts that had five followers each and people would be like, everyone's mad that little orphan Annie is black or whatever. But this actually seems to have some form of like online heft behind it. The trailer that Disney put up on YouTube has uh, like 1.2 million downvotes. It's like been downvoted all to hell. Oh my God. But that's yeah. also how many like, views? How many views? How many views? Uh, it's it's like a substantial, there are substantially more downvotes than upvotes. And wow. um, oh, okay. yeah. Wow. So it, either, either somebody, I mean, again, you can't really trust everything you find online because it's so easy to manipulate online reality through like bots or scripts or whatever. So it's possible that we have somebody who just like programmed a bot to just like download this to hell. And it's part of some weird Russian disinfo thing along the lines of like the Depp Heard trial. 14 million views. It has 14 million views. And it's probably going to still smash at the box office. And then like really what do downvotes mean, you know? Yeah. So I think that's I think that's a good point. But, you know, look, if I were working at Disney, I would be like, amazing. People are talking about this trailer and the people who seem to not like it are on kind of the bad side of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I just think, man, just let kids have their things like adults don't we're not entitled to dictate what appeals to children. If adults were, then, you know, Peppa Pig would have some changes made and so love Peppa. it's just like i wish we i wish this wasn't like just the same recycled story it's like little orphan annie the black jedi the little mermaid like guys guess what yeah. black people are going to keep being in movies and they're going to keep playing characters that are like classically white in and you just have to deal with it like i just right. don't know we can't keep having this argument it's so unbelievable it's tiresome is what it is. Kara, I feel like I've this is round like 12 of this conversation. And uh, I'm tired of it, but I do want to point out that people who are adults who are upset about this are weird. Deeply weird. I wanted to offer, as my mother would say, she would say it's 1.6 million downvotes, but there's 14 million views. She's like, that's still like 13 million people who are like, nice. Um, Kara, what, uh, are you feeling petty or are you having a sanity corner this week? Oh, I'm never, you know, sanity corner is my hardest one. <laughs> I never get um, Cause you're crazy. I guess I'll just, I'll do when I feel petty. Like I watched the Emmys on, uh, Monday night. Did you guys watch the Emmys? Yes. Did you do a, re- a, a recap on the pod? Um, no, no. I guess I just was like disappointed that it seems like the same shows win every year for everything. Like, I obviously loved some of the people that won and thought that was great. But like for best comedy, it's like, does Ted Lasso need another Emmy? Like, do they need it? You know what I mean? Like they have the same thing. They already have one. Like, I just feel like in a year that a show like Abbott Elementary is out and that could like that could just do so much. Like, why are we not voting? I don't know. I don't watch Ted Lasso. So I I know that it's a great show. No, see, I agree with you because I feel like it's like what was so different about this season from last season yes. of Ted Lasso, that what they did this year should be honored additionally. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Yeah. And like, I feel like Succession's won a bunch of times. It's just like with the award shows, it's like, these are all bullshit anyway. So once people have won, can we like mix it up? I don't know. that Maybe I'm being Well, like, for Succession, Tom Wamgan's meet winning when nobody else did was pretty fucking great. <laughs> oh, the guy that's the British guy? Yeah, Tom. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't watch that either. <laughs> Here I am feeling petty going, these shows I don't watch won awards. What the hell? How dare oh, yeah. you? You're like, can, can the ones I watch win? I get it just like is annoying when I think it's like the same ones over and over again. Whereas I, I used to feel like back in the day, it's like, was Aaron Brockovich Julia Roberts' best movie? Probably not, but like, it was her turn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like, yeah. was, was Sandra Bullock, The Blind Side? Not her best, but it was her turn. Like, I just was <laughs> like, it's some other people's turn. Can we give some other people a turn? That's all I was yeah. saying. But I was obsessed with Shirley Ralph winning and her speech was amazing. And I'm sure you guys, and also Jennifer Coolidge. Here's what I feel petty about. Don't you dare play Jennifer Coolidge off the stage when she's Especially rambling. Especially <laughs> after she's told us she's swollen from her lavender bath. Give the woman a break. Yeah, like she's literally <laughs> writing a better sitcom than probably half the nominees right now in front of you. Let her talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I gotta say, I agree with you, Kara, about the same shows winning over and over again. I love Succession, but I think Severance was so weird and creative and good top to bottom. Such a great show. And I wanted to see it win more stuff. I know I got to get, um, I got to get also yellow jackets was so freaking good. I don't know. Like, Oh, yellow jackets was so, when is the next season coming out of yellow? Jackets? I think really soon. Is it not this fall? It better. It needs to come out during spooky season. It is the most spooky vibes show. Yeah. Ugh. We need to get some Yellow Jackets cast members on this show. Oh, yeah, first maybe. quarter, first quarter of 2023. No. Sorry. Too late. Ugh, fine. I guess I'll rewatch season one during spooky season. Maybe they want to keep it that way because, you know, like the snow and the deer queen and all that, the antler queen or whatever oh, and all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, this was a very robust, I feel petty sanity corner <laughs> this week. This is a robustly discussed sanity corner. Um. Thank you to everyone who joined for the show. Thanks, Kara and Kieran, for joining. Thanks, Alyssa, for being my ride or die. Welcome back from your (laughs) non-vacation. And uh, listeners, if you have, like, fuckery going on in your states, uh, we remind you of this from time to time, but we're probably going to do another tour to fuckery segment pretty soon. So if there's something going on in your state where politicians are acting whack and it's not getting the national attention that you think it deserves, you can email us, hysteria at crooked.com. And, you know, if it fits in, we'll, we'll put it on the show and we'll give you a shout out. And thank you all for listening. There will be more hysteria for you I'm next week. Hysteria is a crooked media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Psst. Hey, it's me, your barista. So, you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, 
It's that foaming delicious. You're welcome. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. 